we're we're back. Uh, we officially or unofficially decided to take Thanksgiving week off. Uh, maybe it was subconsciously done so we didn't reopen some fresh wounds. That uh, that is the Husker football team. But as always, we are stocked up with snacks and drinks, courtesy of Nebraskaland Bank. This season has promoted stress eating, and there's one thing you best believe that is I am a real good at stress eating, um, especially eating my feelings. But before we go down the misery lane that is Husker football, Brandon, what's good? It's that time of year. You know, we got the old uh, advent calendar started, and my favorite advent calendar tradition is with my best bud, my daughter Maddie. We get up early before school and put together one of the parts from the Lego Star Wars advent calendar, put together a little when we get it each year for it. And also that time of year where on Sundays we tend to play a lot of air hockey in our household. So we got it all hooked up last Sunday and played it quite a bit and started getting back into the back into our systems and our strategies of air hockey. So that's what's been good for us. How about you, Danny? Is this a like a, a little tabletop game? You got the full air hockey table. What's the air hockey situation? Sounds fun. I would say like if uh, air hockey level one is like the ones you can get for nineteen ninety nine, you know, or whatever, like the worst kind. And if a two is like at an arcade. I would say this is probably like a 1.7, 1.8, right, right around there. I nice. Say. Yeah. Nice. There was a stretch, there's a stretch in, our, in my life where like there used to be like this little rinky-dink arcade in Chadron. They kind of shut down and they had a full-sized air hockey table. And so I can't – I don't even know how it happened, but uh, a buddy of mine, his mom, bought it and was going to move it to Cody. And I will tell you what, those full-size air hockey tables, not light. It was like <laughs> 12 high school kids trying to carry this thing in there. There is nothing light about an actual air hockey table. So it was heavy. Pretty impressive. So did you guys ever have like a period in your life where you try to get really good at any of those games? Like I, one time there was probably three or four months when I thought I was going to get really good at foosball. I'm still terrible at it, but I, I, I got pretty into it. Well, Kyle, Kyle might, I think he claims to be one of the top dart players in, uh, in our, in our community. Oh, now I'll tell you what, there was this one night in Lincoln in a coach's clinic where I think a lot of people kind of saw the skills that I, that I had, but it's one of those things when people, that people talk about golf and they say, Oh, I'm only good at golf when these four factors are just right. And that I would I would say that my dart abilities fall under that. But dependent. Uh, yeah, I think everybody's had a little ping pong stage. Um, but the one kind of random thing, and it's not quite in the realm of air hockey or or ping pong or or, or darts. But when I was a little kid, um, when Walmart still had those kind of those video games as you walked in, they were like 50 cents or a quarter. Like I got really good at the cruising USA uh, racing game. Like I would go to Walmart and my name was littered on 
all of those maps for fastest times. And then when you won one of those races, then you, you got a free game or a free race. Like I could go up there and for a dollar, I'd, I'd pay for two games and I'd probably have 15 races. So that, that would be my, I guess my, my nominee. He's legend in a lot of ways. Yeah. In more ways than one. I feel like we're going to get an Andy brag here. Cause he had his hand up. Like he wanted to chime in. Uh, we had a full-size foosball table growing up, so uh, I, was, I was all into foosball ball when I was little. Uh, and then when I was at Grinnell, my freshman year, we'd play like three hours of ping pong a day, and I was the yeah. best of like the athletes. Now, uh, Grinnell has a huge international population, and so I've seen some guys from like from China and from Africa play, and it's a whole different level than what the athletes were playing uh, when, when I was at Grinnell. <laughs> You, you didn't even make it over to that table? No, no, no. We we hogged the paddles so that way they, we, they didn't show us up very much. <laughs> well, I want to share some stats with you for my what's good. Um, so starting NFL quarterback uh, with an 11% completion percentage, uh, one completion and nine attempts for 13 yards. Um, zero touchdowns and two interceptions. What do you think about those stats? What if I told you the team that they played? What if I told you that this guy would become a hero? You guys know who I'm talking about? His name's Kendall Hinton. You heard of him last week and you may never hear him from him again. A, uh, you all know the story of the, uh, of the Denver, um, quarterback situation. I don't think we need to probably get into all the details of why the Broncos had zero quarterbacks, but they did indeed have to play a game on Sunday uh, against Kyle's Saints, and they find a guy on their practice squad who uh, whose claim to fame was that he was, you know, sort of a decent quarterback in high school, and they're like, we're, we're going to roll with that guy. Um, and I think I think this this the cool part of the story is that he's going to kind of be a legend and a hero, but he had a really crappy game. It's not like a Cinderella story where he came in, you know, this guy who'd never taken a snap in an NFL game and, and becomes a hero for winning the game. No, he's a hero for stepping up, uh, kind of getting his butt kicked around the field, having a pretty terrible game. But it honestly looked like he was enjoying it, and it looked like his teammates – had absolute respect for him and, and were enjoying the fact that he was out there playing. Uh, so my what's good is, is Kendall Hinton. Um, what's bad is the NFL. No idea why they decided that the Broncos needed to, to play that game yet. Um, four days later, we're playing Wednesday afternoon football with the Ravens. Um, what's bad is, is the Broncos. I, I'm actually pretty disappointed that they couldn't have put together a better game plan to at least be a little bit competitive. Uh, if you're watching the game, they, they came out in the first series and ran the Wildcat for the first two downs with Phillip Lindsay, got to a third and three, and that's when they decided to put Hinton in and have him throw on a, on a third down that they probably could have, could have converted. Uh, they also have Royce Freeman on their roster as a running back who's played quarterback and can throw the ball, but they just – like they, did, they used zero creativity to try to be competitive, almost like they were – uh, passive aggressively just trying to make 
whoever had to watch that game miserable and sort of, you know, stick it to the NFL and be like, yeah, you made us play this game. Now look at how terrible of a game uh, everybody's going to have to watch. Um, and I'm also kind of excited because I did lose a burrito to Kyle. Um, we, we had an agreement. The Broncos were, uh, I think, a six-point underdog when we made the agreement. Um, that, that line changed uh, once their entire quarterback room um, was in a, ineligible to play. And I don't even know what the line ended up, but it wasn't close. And so out of protest, I'm on a mission to find, like, the, the worst breakfast burrito in town that I can serve to Kyle sometime this week. Uh, so if any of you guys have any ideas about like, and I'm not even talking about restaurant, like you could go to a restaurant and probably find a decent breakfast burrito, but I, is there like some gas station burrito I can go and, and warm up and, and slap on Kyle's desk Friday morning or something like that? Not because I'm mad at him, but this is just my protest to the NFL and the Broncos by uh, not giving Punishing the quality Kyle. burrito. Punishing Kyle. Yep. So yeah. You guys can let me know if you have any any ideas about that. But what's good? Kendall Hinton is uh, is what's good. Wasn't the, wasn't I, there a stat about uh, he threw a more recent touchdown pass than Taysom Hill, who was starting for the Saints or something crazy like that? Yeah, I I sent that out to you guys. I don't remember if it was a touchdown or yeah, it was a touchdown pass. Like he had one in college more recently than Taysom Hill uh, had one, and I actually thought. Kyle probably disagrees, but I thought the Broncos with a full roster, or at least all their quarterbacks available, I kind of thought they might beat the Saints, but it wasn't uh, It wasn't even close. So, Kyle, you can comment on that or, or what's good on your end, whatever you feel like talking about. Yeah, I, I do disagree. I think, actually, if you look at it, the Saints, probably along with the Chiefs, are, have been playing the best, especially defensively. And so it, it's not like you were replacing Patrick Mahomes with, with this guy who's never played before. Um, you're replacing Drew Locke, which I, I thought it was pretty interesting that uh, it went from a, a six-point spread to then when they had no quarterback, it only <laughs> went up to 16. So, like, they're saying that having Drew Locke as their quarterback with a guy who hasn't played quarterback in, in seven years is only a difference of about 10 points. So uh, I don't know if they re were really putting the fear of God into, into anybody, even with an actual quarterback. So uh, yeah. they're, they're deep de Broncos defense, I think played well enough for about a quarter and a half that if a serviceable quarterback would have been in, it might've been close, but I think they realized that the offense wasn't even going to be trying in the second half. So maybe they folded a little bit too, but regardless, yeah. It was an interesting story, and uh, I'll be I'll be bringing you that burrito. Yeah, I always judge how strongly the the Saints either feel like they have a chance of winning, or how safe their win is, depending on how much they use Alvin Kamara. Because I think they always like to to make sure he's not getting a, a lot of touches because he's a smaller frame guy, and they obviously know that they need him in the playoffs. And he ended up having like one catch and seven carries and Latavius Murray had a hundred yards. So anytime they, they're giving him the ball a lot, I always view them as like the saints are saying, Oh wow, this is going to be a, a physical game. We're going to make sure Murray is taking all of these hits. And so as soon as I saw how little they were using Alvin Kamara and how little they were passing, 
they were pretty much saying, hey, we know we're not going to lose. We're just going to try to make sure we get out healthy. I would love to see the snap count for all of the Saints' top 15 guys because I bet they're down across the board just knowing that it's like this team isn't a professional team this week. We have this in the bag. So That is true. They were definitely not a professional-level team. Now, we were talking earlier, Kyle, about how Bama could never beat the worst team in the NFL. Could Bama beat a zero quarterback? You know it's going to be uh, run or – No. I, I still think that uh, – because we were saying that the reason why Alabama is never going to beat a professional team because even though Alabama has 15 guys that are going to the NFL, the Broncos have – well, on Sunday, 52 guys that were – we're capable of playing in the NFL. Um, so, no, I don't think Alabama would have even stayed on the same field. <clears throat> well, How about you, we... Andy? Oh, uh, Anything good with you? Basketball's man? back. College basketball's back. That's, uh, that's been kind of fun to turn on, and uh, they, they're treating this first week kind of like the first week it was going to be anyway, and so you're getting a lot of games at noon or – 11 a.m. and it's kind of fun to wake up have your morning coffee and and watch some basketball now I obviously I had two and a half weeks off and could really enjoy the the uh, 11 a.m. wake up and coffee but uh no it's it I, I love that early college basketball time just because it seems kind of anybody can win um and there's there's been some really good games so far can I just even better, even better yeah we're a couple of ways couple of weeks away from NBA being back after just a little short break NBA is coming back yeah that's that is funny but I wanted to throw in that the, the guy that's talking about you know getting up and enjoying a nice cup of coffee at 11 a.m is also the dude that uh, <laughs> a few nights ago I received a text at 407 a.m from well wow. hours well, and that was even that was even for the uh, the baby. That was for the toddler. The toddler just woke up screaming. So it was, it was very uncharacteristic of him. But anywho, recapping our scoreboard since we uh, didn't pick any games last week, which uh, might have been a blessing for some of us. Uh, Kyle has a one game lead. He's thirty one and fourteen. Brandon is thirty and fifteen. Uh, Danny is 24 and 21 and I am 27 and 18. So some pretty close gaps as we kind of wind down the college football season. But since the last time we got together, the Huskers are 0 and 2. They dropped a game at home to Illinois by 18 points and at Iowa by six points. Uh, Brandon, what's the state of Nebraska football? Is this the segment in which you would like me to air my grievances? Or yes, please. Yes, I've been waiting. I've been waiting a couple. Actually, I've been waiting about three weeks to hear uh, <laughs> hear your take on Bull Mo Bill Moose. So uh, hopefully, he's included in these rants. He's included in the in the grievances in which I write down in my little notebook that I jot notes down on Saturdays throughout the college football day. So Seinfeld, they have Festivus for you listeners out there who might not know where this is from. And, and like George's family has this terrible holiday where uh, it made him hate 
Christmas and everything because they always had to celebrate Festivus. And one of the things is airing of the grievances. So that's what I want to do for this Husker part here. And my breakdown later will be very brief because I knew this might take a little bit of time. Um, you know, with this, I hope it doesn't make people uh, want me to turn in my Husker fan card. You know, because even though things are pretty grim right now, seem kind of down, I still am all with the Huskers. I'm not, you know, I'm not going to say I'm flipping to another team. This is just, this is things that I think people need to hear. And it's 100% factual. All right. And sometimes the truth hurts. That's with the facts. Here it is. I hope you brought your umbrellas because it's about to rain cold, hard facts right on top of us. So, airing of the grievance number one. On the little graphics of Husker football players and even when they tweet out things and, and they're talking about their positions, and, and even the media, they always refer to the Nebraska offensive line as the pipeline. Okay. There's no pipeline. There is no offensive line that is referred to as a pipeline. One could arguably say it hasn't been a pipeline since maybe 1999, maybe 1997, but there's been no pipeline since then. There, since those times, Nebraska has never been able to line right up and run people over. It's just that's fact number one. So enough of the pipeline. You want to call them the O-line? That's fine. But the pipeline was through the 90s when they were dominant. So that's fact number one. Fact number two, the sign when people are walking into the stadium, through these tunnels come the college football's greatest fans. That is absolutely true. And for all other non-Nebraska fans, I'm sorry. At best, you can come in second. You know, Nebraska fans are by far and away the best fans. We used to pride ourselves on all of these streaks, you know, the most consecutive. Well, I think we still have the most consecutive weeks in the top 25. We're not currently extending that streak now, but it ended in like 2002 or something like that. Uh, we had a record for a while for most consecutive bowl games, all of these things. Yeah, but, uh, Brandon, just so you know, I just saw, okay. I just saw Brandon. We're, we were at 381 because Alabama just got tied for third, and they're at 209 in terms of top 25, weeks in the top 25. So That's pretty significant. I think we still have 100 weeks uh, as a cushion from Alabama. We need them to start. We need them to get put on probation. <laughs> I, uh, I have an autographed picture of Nick Saban. I may be calling the NCAA and say, hey, I was a high school football coach, and I have an autographed picture from Nick Saban. What's that about? I think we need to kind of look at what they're trying to do. They're trying to influence people to send players over to Alabama. Get them out of here. Anyway, so, I mean, but all these records that – the streak has ended, but maybe we still have the record in a few. But the one thing that is still going on is the sellout streak. No matter how bad it's been lately – even with the expansions of the stadium, you know, so I got to say Nebraska fans are the best. Now, when the media says that Nebraska fans are the smartest in all of college football, that's garbage. Okay. Some of Nebraska football fans are the smartest. Is this fact three or is this still part of two? 
this is still two. Sorry. Okay. Uh, this is two. Uh, bullet three. So anyway, <laughs> most of them aren't bulleted. Some Nebraska fans I've met are the smartest people, you know, who I've ever met. Some Nebraska fans I've met are the dumbest people I've ever met. So that's that's no different. But I get mad when people on the on the broadcast are saying, "Oh, these Nebraska fans are so intelligent. They get loud on third down." Jeez, dude, everybody gets freaking loud on third down. Okay, so let's not go out of control here. I'm drawing the line there. They're the best fans, but they're the smart fans of Nebraska are just as smart as the smartest. The dumb fans of Nebraska are just as dumb as the other dumbest college football fans. So, so that's uh, fact number two. All right. Fact number three. All of these fans who still claim and calling out for the option, uh, you know, why don't we run the option like we used to, all that kind of stuff. They're the same people that complained when Tom Osborne would run option to the short side on third down. So enough of that. Don't be complaining when you were the same people who complained the other way before. That's just something that kind of bothers me. All right. Fact number four. What's with – and this is probably true of a lot of places, but really for Nebraska, the love for the backup quarterback. I mean, how many times has it come up now even – where somebody's like, geez, Martinez, we got to put in a spark, you know, and then we put in the other guy. Well, then we start the other quarterback. Oh, you know, we got McCaffrey. Man, we got to put in Martinez for a spark. If you're always having to put in a guy for a spark, then you don't have any good starting quarterbacks. You know what I mean? And this, this has gone And you never have a fire. If you're always looking for a spark, there's never a fire. Yeah, that's true. You got to have kindling. Is it called kindling? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and you got to have a source of heat. And then you got to fan it. You got to let it grow, you know? So the this kindling whole thing would probably now, be the O line. Yeah, absolutely. And this, this has gone back to the days of like Gadowski and Steve Taylor. You know, the, this is nothing new, but it seems like everybody's favorite Husker is the backup quarterback, with the exception of a few, you know? So anyway, that's, that's that. Let's just stop loving the backup all the time, and just, just support the starter. That's the way it is. Shoot, Scott Frost and, and Frankie London versus Central Florida in 1997. So there's that. Um, the next thing, all right, for, for the Big Ten people, Penn State fans. Oh, yeah, we shouldn't have had to share the, the national championship with Nebraska. Jeez. Okay, you know what? I'm sorry. But uh, I think we would have fared a little bit easier even and in, in played probably Matt, with Matt Terman. You know, he probably would have been fine if he started against Penn State against these big, slow defense of, of Penn State back in those days. Nebraska in the, in the Orange Bowl was going against Miami with Warren Sapp, Ray Lewis, and The Rock. That's right. Can you smell what The Rock? is cooking with the rock and those two all-time great nfl players we still beat miami and and with a kind of a shaky quarterback situation you know because we had a little controversy at the time is is tommy frazier's blood clot better and all that kind of stuff so uh penn state shut your mouth it wouldn't have even been close you you're lucky that we were able to share it with you all right so there's that Okay, uh, the next thing, 
and we've talked about recruiting. I wish Nebraska fans would stop with the enthusiasm for one recruiting class and then bad-mouthing that recruiting class later. You know, it's like, geez, Frank Solich, oh, man, he's the worst recruiter ever. Oh, Bill Callahan, whoa, oh, my God, this is the greatest class. Oh, we finally got a top-five class. Oh, my God, they're so great. Later, geez, all Bill Callahan did was recruit stupid players and slow players, and they just wanted to go to the NFL. And now we got now we got Pliny in. He brings these guys who want to be here. Yeah. You know, and then Pliny leaves. Oh, geez, Pliny just brought all these guys. Oh, he didn't have any talent. Calabrasca, baby. Calabrasca. <laughs> Hashtag Calabrasca. Woo, woo. We haven't had this talent. We look like a team, you know. And then, oh, geez, Mike Riley just brought in all this trash. Oh, and this. So let's just forget about the recruiting. Never get excited about it, okay? It's always going to be what it is. And it's always – and I know I'm speaking to the choir with, with Danny here, but that's something <laughs> – you know, it's just, it's ridiculous. Okay, here's another fact. This may ruffle some feathers. Bob Devaney, greatest college football coach maybe ever. And so, obviously, he is the best Nebraska football coach. He took it from nothing. Nebraska was in bad shape when he got there. He built it up. He maintained it. He won a bunch of national – well, he won – couple national championships he leaves tom osborne with all of this talent and what does tom osborne do in year one this is like three games come on man it took tom osborne 25 years to get back to that thing again bob devaney best nebraska football coach by far and away and i'm gonna say what he did was I, i'm saying he's better than paul bear bright hear that bama fans whoa that bam fans was better hot take fact all right Next one here, black shirt tradition. All right, everybody says, oh, oh, we got to take away the black shirts. They, they're killing the tradition. Dude, the original tradition was just because they needed something different to wear to set them apart. It's no different than, you know, like when I, would co when I coached football for North Platte High School, you know, we, they wore orange beanies. You know, we weren't like, oh, orange beanies. Oh, you're killing the orange beanie tradition, you know, on top of the helmets. No, it's not what it is. It would, they have to wear the black shirts. That's for the starters. And nowadays, you don't even have 11 starters. You got pass rushing specialists. You got your nickel corner. You got your – you would have probably, geez, probably 30 different starters one way. You know how those defensive people are. They got all these different packages and stuff for – for different starting situations. So the black shirt thing, just call they can be called black shirts. That's it. Just have it be the starting. The starting defense are the black shirts. It's not like they're it's not like Nebraska's had awesome black shirt teams throughout the years. Like in nineteen eighty three, maybe nineteen eighty two, I can't remember. Um, one of the greatest Nebraska teams ever and it, statistically one of their worst defenses up until Things got real bad as of late, but at those times they were not, they were not your, you know, people didn't always like, uh, oh, what's his name? Who is uh, Charlie McBride? People didn't always like Charlie McBride until, until the end when he had a bunch of NFL talent. So let's go easy on the old black shirt. Kyle, did you have a thing you wanted to say about black shirt? Okay. Um, so, that's the black shirt thing. Stop talking about taking them away. Are you just, so you're just going to play with 10 guys then? 
Yeah, you're not a black shirt, you know. Oh, yeah, so we'll just play with 10 defensive men. Don't make any I sense. guess even on top of that, Brandon, it's like every year they they build it up of like, well, they haven't handed out the black shirts yet. Like, And then we win one game against Penn State. And it's like, oh, this week the, the coaches saw something flash. And so now some of the guys are in their black shirts. And then they come out in Illinois and it's just like – what the hell was that all about? Exactly. Isn't it something that's more, it's more meaningful when you're really good? And I think uh, even just the starter, because if, if they would go to their locker and it's like, my butt, who's wearing my black shirt? You know, I'm sure that probably strikes a bigger chord, you know, because they're like, I don't know. Oh, man, I need to outplay that person in practice this week and, and earn that starting position back, you know? It should be about pride of being really good and dominant not yeah. pride of oh we had a pretty good game so now we get these cool jerseys to wear exactly. i'm with you on that one all righty so yeah black shirt thing that bothers me like i like that i like it but not the way it's being used currently um the current state of excuses with the huskers right now and so this might strike a chord with more of the modern fans but like the last game for instance Oh, man, we lost because the other team was clapping on the sidelines. Oh, man, the discipline now is the worst discipline. When I came to Nebraska, this is the worst discipline I'd ever seen in throwing the other coaching staff. Oh, well, we're, we have all these mistakes that other teams don't because we have to deal with COVID. I, I guess I thought it was through all 50 states. So uh, let's get rid Can you of you put tur- turf toe on there too didn't we use that our center had turf toe so he couldn't snap the ball i mean it's, it's one thing after another with can you that. imagine being a center your toe hurts there's clapping like 50 yards away like how do you do your job how can you play i mean thank god nobody was actually no crowd was there you know what i mean because then, that'd be tons of clapping geez, we would have had people in the stadium catching snaps out there and you know, and a lucky souvenir for a fan out there, you know. So let's let's get done with those excuses. That bothers me. All right. Um, oh, here's one. So back to the sellout streak. You know, greatest thing, you know, again, why Huskers are the greatest fans. I believe it was the 350th sellout when Nebraska had the DJ Khalid thing out there and i know he's like and another and i thought that was the stupidest thing it has nothing to do with nebraska you know nothing to do at all and so i thought ridiculous ridiculous i hate the idea all right next one going on here all right black it's not a school color why do we always have to try to incorporate it into everything even though with the black shirts it's it's red and white shoot it's it's scarlet and cream right but uh but it's – are we always trying to incorporate that? On the other hand, sometimes I'm like, maybe we should try to put in a little bit of black into those uniforms. <laughs> so uh, I argued with myself on that. You have Brent, a grievance you're... against yourself for not making up your mind on black? Grievance with the counter grievance. <laughs> Brandon, you're an Oregon Duck fan. You can't tell me <laughs> a color scheme is where you, you're having issues here. I have a grievance with them about – Go with your school colors. They always lose big games when they're not using green and yellow. You know, they, oh, this... they try to get too fancy with the chrome, with the chrome. And it's like, come on, man. So, uh, you know, 
I'm not. I guess I'm a little undecided on, on this. That this this school color thing could be a whole segment because I do have some some opinions about it, but we don't want to go on that tangent right now. But we should talk about that some other time. We can. I do, and I do have notes. I have a note here. Scarlet and cream looked real classy with those last uniforms that they wore, where it was kind of the off-white uh, cream, and it was a little bit of a throwback. And yeah. I thought I thought it looked classy like old school style but anyway there's that all right helmets to the people out there who say we can never change the helmet all right well what about what about when we used to have the red end with the gray face masks what about when we used to have the red helmet with the white numbers and the gray face mask what about when we used to have the white helmet with the red numbers with the face mask what about when or, we had the or leather yeah leather what about that <laughs> what about the blue football with the 100 on the front of it or whatever for the 100th anniversary what about when it was white helmet with the black script with the gray face it's changed what about when it was in the 70s and it was the n and the u on the side and then when you look at some of the game tape from the game of the century and you look out there and i think rich glover i think it was richard glover who on his side he had the nu and some of the other players didn't and it's because right during the early 70s the company that made the stickers ran out of use. So that's the real reason why Nebraska ran, why they stopped using the U. That's a, that's a stupid thing. Put the U back on. If you're, why aren't you calling for that? Clap for that if you're going to be clapping on. We can't be changing the helmet. So don't be sticking weight. And the N is a totally different typeface than everything else in the <laughs> Husker brand. So none of that makes any sense at all. And I think you can switch up the helmet. It's okay. All right. Here's another thing. I don't Switch like being a helmet, but no black, but maybe some black. Maybe is what I'm getting. Not. <laughs> if they put the black on it, I'm going to be mad about it. If they don't, I'm going <laughs> to say that they should have. So it's a lose lose for them. Fair enough. All right. Getting closer to the end here on Husker discussion <laughs> boards, particularly huskermax.com and uh, like uh, huskerboard.com and those kind of things. When people are going to the game and people are like, wear red, be loud, scream your head up. Don't tell me what to do when I'm going to a game, all right? If I, if I want to wear black, I'm going to wear black. That, that should be our third color for crying out loud. If I want to wear white, I'm going to wear white. I can wear whatever color I want to at a game. And it's not my job to stand up and cheer. So, I mean, I'm going to cheer, but not because they tell me to. That's not my job. My job is to be entertained because I'm paying money for a ticket to spectate sports. So it's not my job to help the team grind out a win. No, that's on them and the coaches. So don't tell me to wear red and be loud at games. I don't have to. All right. So Next you don't one. buy into the fact that our red burns brighter? <laughs> no, I don't. So, uh, you know, if people want to yell and cheer as loud well, as they can. Well, it's scarlet anyway. They sure, they sure can cheer as loud as they want, you know. But don't tell me I have to, you know. Nobody's the boss. All right, so the next one on here, a fullback's not going to cure everything. All right, I know people are like, <laughs> man, well, back in back in the 90s, I called fullback, and every time I called a fullback and they ran it, it worked. Again, it goes back to the pipeline and because you had people like Corey Sletcher and Makovic and all these guys, and, and it was obviously going to work, all right? But just putting a fullback 
in the freaking blur spread offense, it's, it's not going to help. Okay. So it's not a cure all. All right. It, I'm not against fullbacks. I like fullback position, but I just get mad when people are like, man, well, geez, if they, if they, every position out there, no, you could just put fullbacks out there. You know, it gets, it makes me mad. Okay. This one here, tunnel walk in the nineties. Pretty cool. Tunnel walk. Now one of the most overrated pageantries in all of college football. Wow. Change it. I agree. I mean, the, it used to be cool. Like, man, oh, man, we're going to have another trophy come out of the ground and shoot lasers and blow up the other team's helmet. I can't wait. And then pretty soon when it's like we're not getting any more trophies and we've done every – these trophies have – they've done about everything they can do in a, in a graphically animated thing. It's a – you know, still do it. But people who are like, man, when you hear that, it just – gives me goose it doesn't give me goosebumps anymore it's it's just a cool thing as a sidebar i'll tell you because i completely agree i remember going to games and maybe it's something to do with just a little kid being there for the first time here and eighty thousand people roar but i'll tell you exactly when the last time that i just like got chills with the tunnel walk and it was the first game of the year after um the big 12 championship when they put one second up on the clock and the the tunnel walk had that incorporated where i can't remember how they even did it but it was like a countdown of some sort or whatever but then all of a sudden it went to zero one and then it just like froze there for a second and then the crowd obviously went crazy because they cheated us out of the big big 12 championship there and then ever since then it's just I always get amped for it, and it just always leaves me a little kind of wanting. Part of it is, and I don't know if you'll get to it, or maybe I'm anti here, and I don't want to kind of ruin it for too much, but I can't stand the Nebraska band. The best band in the land is the biggest lie they tell. And so they do their little pomp and circumstance, play the same three songs uh, before the game, and then as the band members are – coming to the the tunnel it's just so rigid and and so like there's no flow to it like you have all these dudes that are ready to to play and then you have 150 guys who didn't play football on their high school team so they're in band and now they're a big deal like i'm i'm over the the best band in the land play some good music and get these guys out of here here's here's what it boils down to i think it's it's glory days. Like anything that was going on in the nineties when we were really good, people want to stick with that because they think that somehow that's going to make us good again. And like, what could we put, what could we put on the tunnel walk screen of anything in the past five years of highlights that would get fans excited? Like if you're not good, there's not really any, any cool fun tradition. Like, um, you know, Iowa State's tradition for the last 20 years was that they could tailgate outside the stadium. Now, now they're getting good, and I bet you there's going to be some like new, cool, fun traditions that come out of it. But I think it's just the glory days thing. People don't want to change up anything from from the 90s when we were winning national championships. And obviously, like I know you have to have some kind of a thing playing on the screen, but. Uh... It's just the fact that what people are always like, oh, the tunnel walk now, you know. To me, like, seeing that is no different than going to a Wyoming game and seeing 
um, the Bon Jovi dead or alive song, you know, to a little highlight before their team runs out. I'm like, eh, it's pretty cool. Yeah. You know? I actually, when you watch the old ones, I, I prefer the cheesy graphics and like how they would always travel kind of through the state of Nebraska or, yeah, or like the movie would be, yeah, would be, uh, and to me that I always like that the best because then, because every fan in Nebraska is usually from Nebraska. And then, everybody would have their little piece like, Oh my God, that's, that's the town we just drove by or that's my hometown that they just flew over. And, and that's, I think a big part of it is, is now, and, and obviously the graphics that they did in the nineties would be laughed at now, but now they just try to do the coolest thing possible instead of actually having anything tied to the state of Nebraska. Right. Um, for the band, I think one of my favorite things about like going to Husker games would be like going to old Chicago or whatever, or whatever restaurant. And then like before the game, they have the marching band kind of around the community and like yep. they cram a whole bunch of them into the, into the restaurant and start playing while you're eating. And I always did kind of like that. And I'm like, Oh my God, here's the, here's a Husker <laughs> song, you know, kind of stuff. I like that. Like, and I, and I I agree. I do like that. I think just when they're together in the big ensemble, it's way too rigid. And again, I'm going to tell you another story of mine. When I went to the Big Ten Championship and like they had a lot of pregame stuff and and, uh, that sort of thing. And we were in this like big, it was the Indianapolis Colts practice facility. And we were kind of walking around. This is where they were having all their sideline stuff. And then both bands came and it was kind of like a battle of the bands. And this was a hundred yard field or probably a 50 yard field. And Wisconsin came out and they had band people on every inch of that thing. Like you felt like you were part of the routine because they were right there in front of you. They were moving around, they were dancing. It was fun. Nebraska came on after them and they were stationary. They stood there. They didn't move. They didn't interact. And they played the same four songs we've heard my entire life. I was like, I'm over the band. I'm over the band. They're making the same mistake that the drum major and drumline was making before Nick Cannon got there and brought the funk back. He was trying to make it <laughs> too organized. All he wanted to do was play Flight of the Bumblebees and all the traditional music. And then as soon as they started playing some hits, they won the movie. By point. the way, Kyle, Great they point. are referred to as the pride of all Nebraska, the Cornhusker marching band. See, so they aren't even the best band in the land. No, the pride of all Nebraska, I think. Get is them the out of here. Get them out of here. <laughs> all right, next thing we have on the list. Here's a fact. It stinks right now. Nebraska doesn't have a rivalry. You know, there's no rivalry. You, Iowa, we wish we, wish we were – I was rivalry right now. The closest thing probably Nebraska has to a rivalry right now is uh, Minnesota, just because from back in the 20s, you know, uh, when they used to play, like Nebraska actually has a long kind of span of playing Minnesota back in the day. Yeah. Yeah. You can't just say, hey, we're close to Iowa. They're our new rival. Or else why was Iowa State not our rival? Yeah, exactly. Uh, Yeah, to me – and, and it's just Nebraska fans not wanting to to think that they're as low as we are. But like like you said, Minnesota, Northwestern, like in terms of close games and competitive games and kind of chippiness, 
that's the team. Like people want to eventually say that, oh, we're we look Ohio State in the eye, or uh, like you said, Iowa, Wisconsin should be our rival, and and we haven't been competitive enough to make it a rivalry. I agree a hundred percent. Here's another fact here. Herbie Husker wears light blue overalls and has blonde hair and wears a normal looking hat. He doesn't wear dark jeans and look like Mr. Stranger Danger, you know, for Herbie Husker, you know, it's part of the agricultural background of Nebraska. And I'm sorry that bothers people from Lincoln and Omaha, but guess what? For the greater area of the state, you know, the country and all that is, is more important. And, and you're called the corn huskers for crying out loud, you know? So uh, get back to the old Herbie Husker who actually looked like he'd been out in the farm and didn't just escape do, prison. Do curls all day. Yeah. I don't like, I don't like this guy at all. I don't like this new one. One bit. Um, what about little red? <laughs> little red is fine because that's a basketball mascot. And uh, so when he's at a when he's at a football game, it's kind of like, whoa, little red, what the heck are you doing in here? You know the the basketball stadium courts over there, man. Get out of here. This is a football area. So I think he's a basketball mascot. I would have to say. And yeah, I guess the kids probably like him, but I don't. Uh, so another thing we have enough of like, and I'm and Scott Frost is a little different for this for this story, you know, bringing him in makes sense, but every single coaching position, like everybody's like, it has to be a former player. Oh my God. Like people are like, Oh man, uh, we got to have Scott Frost be the head football coach. We got to have Tyrone Lou be the head basketball coach. We got to have like every single position it has to do that. So let's just stop with the notion that every single position that opens up, we're trying to think back, you know, who, is going to be the next former player who's going to lead us to greatness. So no more stuff about the former players just to throw their names out there. You know, um, obviously there's, there's always a few exceptions. Along um, with the head coach, when we're in a coaching, coaching search, we have to also understand where we're at because you'll look at the list of possible Nebraska coaches that are put up by Nebraska fans. And they're like, Oh man, do you think that if, if 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 we if Ryan Day applied, would we even want him? Or, geez, I think we should hold out for like Nick Saban or like you think like the realistic possibilities for Nebraska coaches at the moment now, and what people think that we're able to get. Like Tyron Liu is an NBA championship head coach and is the lead assistant on some of the best teams in the NBA. He is never coming to Nebraska. And and people are like, I don't even think we I don't even think we want Ty Lu. Like uh, do we really want him? Like when he didn't have LeBron, he, he wasn't that good of a coach. And it's like Le, Tyron Lu is, is so far beyond Nebraska, it's it was it's not even a, a contest. Are we that's, replacing Scott Frost already? No, I'm just saying I know, every time an opening comes up, Nebraska stuff always you know, four Nebraska players, and it makes me mad. And in event, using Frost as the example, you know, when we had people going to UCF bowl games, don't go to bowl games cheering for, clamming for that coach when, you know, they're still 
coaching their last game at that school, it makes you look like a real douchebag. All right. So <laughs> to whoever the people who went down there and had to do that, you look ridiculous. Don't do that anymore. Um, two Nebraska fans who sat, most of the people that I sat around us when we had season tickets were all the greatest people ever. But there were some people who sat a little bit further, but I could hear them as if they were sitting right next to me. Dude, not every offensive play on the opponent is a holding, all right? Not every <laughs> incomplete pass that the other team throws is, is an intentional grounding. And not every tackle they make on us is a horse collar, all right? Shut your freaking mouth. If you want to say it every once in a while, but when it's every single time, like I think when that guy goes home and like tries to lay in bed, his arms are like, <laughs> like it just goes back in the holding position because he does it so many times during the games that that's his natural position. So not every single thing is going to be a bad call. Now I do know that there's a substantial amount of games where an opponent hasn't been called for holding on Nebraska, but you know, still never, never mind that. Okay. We're down to the end here. Almost the most successful entities of Nebraska athletics right now, by far and away, Volleyball and the athletic department social media manager. Whoever's in charge of that and is making the videos and making the graphics and all that, you do nice work. Everything's got a cool, like, theme each year. It all looks awesome. And uh, good job, volleyball. You're always awesome. And social media manager at, at Nebraska Athletics, you're second to none. All right. And then the, the last one I'm going to touch base on here is uh the final fact bill moose is nothing but a used car salesman all right if he was in the wild west he would have been selling snake oil and uh, invigorating tonics and all this stuff and i know he's got some charisma that some people like but i see right through him i dislike him i think he's all talk i think he came from a, a basketball conference where they don't care as much about football and then he comes here, and what's the first thing? My, I already didn't like him by first impression. And then our first game, oh, it gets canceled because of weather? Like, how does that happen in Nebraska on the, on the very first game? How, you do not let that happen. You want to let that happen in Washington State or out, out west over by the Pacific and, and do that crap? That's fine. But here in Nebraska, this is an important deal to us, and you can't have a game go canceled because of weather, especially when you knew it was going to be bad weather ahead of time, there would have been time to build it in for the holiday on the following Monday, you know, or, or played on that Sunday night. And it's like, no, he couldn't, he couldn't figure that out, but he's in, and I don't know if he, if he wears casts underneath his shirt, because all he does is break his arm pat and his back so hard for every little thing that he did, you know, and I got to tell you what moose, you know, right now, Urban Meyer, if he was still coaching, all right, he, he's not shaking in his boots, okay? No, these coaches who you said were going to be scared of us and you, you have them worried a little bit, bull crap. Shut your mouth. Put something together that, that we can be proud of when you're asking for all these upgrades and all this money and do your job, all right? And then you can, you can brag about it a little bit at the end. But until then, I don't want to hear it. You just, just go to work and keep your nose to the grindstone, you clown. All right. That's my, uh, that's my airing of the grievances. So I have a couple of stats to kind of 
either contradict some things or back up some things that you said. One is the more recent one when you're talking about the holding penalties. And I remember seeing this, and this is courtesy of Husk guys. This season through five games and 341 plays, Nebraska has been called for 10 holding penalties. And 377 defensive snaps, Nebraska opponents have not been called for one. Not a single holding penalty all season. No one has held a Nebraska player in 20 quarters. It's impressive. I mean, but they all came into situations where there's just better discipline, you know? It's only in Nebraska. <laughs> Four where, years ago. Uh, is the worst uh, discipline from three years ago. And then the last one, okay? And this, is, this comes courtesy of uh, at Hot Mess Husker. Blondie Herbie was from 1974 to 2003, winning percentage 82%. Brunette Herbie from 2003 to present, 59 winning percentage. Who is the guy who was just the corn, the whole corn guy? You know, like from. Is it mascot? Yeah. And he was just like a tall era corn. I don't know. That sounds cool. It was really disturbing looking, and the pictures are all in black and white. And it looks like it would be from a horror movie. I want to bring that guy back. I want to bring back Corn Cobb guy. I don't know what he is, but uh, he was cool. That little red, or I'm sorry, that Herbie Husker change was like, had to be nobody asking for that. Like, I don't think there was like a complaint against his overalls and his blonde hair. That was a, That was an interesting... Change. To me, that's somebody in the graphics department that's like, all right, I just got hired. What can I do to really put a spin on, an updated spin on Nebraska football? Uh, maybe, maybe to finish the conversation, maybe not. But a quote from, from Bill Moose the other day said, Scott Frost is here with me as long as I'm here. He's just what I want and what Nebraska's needed. So uh, – I think, uh, Brandon, if, if Scott Frost is going to go, which I'm not saying he needs to, I think, uh, I think Bill Moose goes too. I've said it before. Bill Moose will be long gone before – he'll be fired before Scott Frost would. So I think yeah. Scott Frost will, will be here after him. That's no, just... I'm happy to, ha- to, to hear your Moose take. I was, I was waiting for that. No, and, and I don't know. Like, I – I would be completely fine if this was the pod as we just get on here and, and talk Husker football. I know Andy's not a huge Husker fan, which is probably why you haven't heard much from him so far. He, but, or he, I thought he was playing Xbox. No, well, that too. PlayStation. But, oh. uh, I don't know. I Obviously, this is the team that kind of gets us the most fired up, and it, it sucks that we've been struggling so much. And I don't know. I have <laughs> – a couple of thoughts that I was going to kind of work into my, my game pick, but it's, it's to the point now it's obvious. Like we can't really push recruiting for any other reason. Like it's not like these kids now can like, we can't show them highlights of the mid nineties and be like, Hey, this is the program you're joining because that program is not here right now. Like, 2001 was the last time we were in a national championship and we probably haven't been really relevant since what, when was that big 12 championship against Texas? Oh, was that Oh nine or. Yeah. I was going to say nine. So maybe, maybe 2012. I I know the last time that we were in the top five always 
seems like it's not that far away whenever I see the number just because we're living in the time where we're not great. But, like, we have to be able to be competitive and win games with guys that aren't nationally recruited. Like, and then when we start overachieving with some some guys that maybe weren't being recruited by Texas and Oklahoma and Alabama, when we start overachieving with some of those guys and we can start putting some recent film and playing some national uh, national spotlight games and actually win a few of them, like – we're going to continue to be in this hole. Like, I think we still try to go after the the top 150 in terms of recruiting and things. Hey, like we have five national championships and not a single one of them has happened since any of the, the current recruits are born. Uh, I love the fact that Nebraska in state is starting to kind of get some talent. We can't let the good in-state talent leave to Minnesota. Like, even if it's a fringe guy, why not have a fringe Nebraska guy instead of a fringe Juco guy or a fringe California guy? Like, I don't know. I, I would love. I would love to see every kid that uh, is getting D one offers to come to Nebraska, whether it's D one from from Buffalo or Ohio. Like, obviously, if if they're good enough for a Buffalo or Ohio or some of those mid major college football programs, currently they're probably good enough to play at Nebraska. Then you, you add a couple of the, the guys from out of state. Like, I know you can't solve our problem with just recruiting Nebraska talent, but the two best recruits from this year coming out of Nebraska are not going to Nebraska. They're going to Iowa, who we try to consider a rival, and Minnesota, who we try to consider a rival. And it, it sucked having Noah Fant in Iowa kill us for three years mm -hmm. and it's like geez and I sometimes I think there's a Omaha bias uh, against Lincoln just because I think that there's kind of a, that rivalry with the two cities and I don't know if that's part of it but we're losing good dudes to Iowa and then getting beat by them yep. yeah it was two, 2009 we lost to Texas 2010 we lost to Oklahoma and just looking through, scrolling through the, those rosters, those were some talented teams. Yeah, like if you look at it, we're running out. Like Prince Mukamara is, I don't think, on a team this year, but like he kind of feels like he keeps us relevant. Levante David and Ndamukong Sue are still on the Buccaneers, still at the top of their positions. And just to think like we had those guys on, on the field not very long ago, but like it's not like part of the, the Husker game day is always like, and now we're looking at the the Huskers of the NFL, and they always show a couple of clips uh, of Husker players making plays in an NFL game. That punter. Yeah. If we wait five more years, we're going to have two punters that are on teams and, and nothing else. Like, we have no skill guys. We have very few linemen anymore. And it's just like, man, if we didn't have the couple of defensive guys that we do, we'd be – it's it'd be an embarrassment. <clears throat> Not to move it along, uh, but oh, uh, you're still on here. To, to end, <laughs> to end it at embarrassment. Uh, Nebraska plays at 11 a.m. on the BTN, which is kind of our home recently. BTN. We don't have Ele too many, at 11 a.m. Uh, <laughs> at 11 a.m. And uh, 
Purdue has come off three straight losses, with one of those being to Rutgers. Um, I didn't think I'd be able to say this leading into the game, but Noah Vedral, the starting quarterback at Rutgers, Nebraska native Noah Vedral, has more wins at Rutgers than the Nebraska Cornhuskers does do, and that's that's just weird to me. Uh, but Nebraska at Purdue, 11 a.m., BTN. Does anybody know who the D coordinator for Purdue is? Bob Diaco. <laughs> Bob Diaco. And so his, we struggle. What was his famous quote? He's like, uh, I'll think of it. I'll come back to it. It was a good one. Keep going. Well, if we struggle offensively against Bob Diaco and that failure that was our, our his version of the 3-4 at Nebraska, uh, I, I just don't know what the media, I don't know what the fan base is going to look like because uh, Bob Diaco pretty much got ran out of town. And, and here we are with a struggling offense rolling into a Purdue team who – has flashes of some good stuff, but then loses three in a row. So, um, Danny, I'm, I'm going to kick it to you for your game prediction just because um, that's how we've kind of been rolling. Uh, any thoughts on Purdue, Nebraska? Yeah, I was trying to find the Diaco quote. It was post-game, and he was like, got really weird talking about, like, you see the stress, you see it. Um, but I'll, I'll find <laughs> that and tell you guys tomorrow off air. Um, Nebraska, I'm picking against Nebraska the rest of the way. I, I have no faith in us. Not excited about our team. I don't know what we're trying to do, um, on the offensive side of the ball. I don't know why we can't figure out a quarterback or somebody to snap the ball to them, um, that we feel confident in. So, um, I can't feel good picking Nebraska at all. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to go, I'm actually going to go Nebraska. Um, just kind of cross my fingers hoping that we don't have to deal with the whole well Bob Diaco just schooled us and as as a D coordinator when he couldn't stop a runny nose in Nebraska. Uh, Brandon? Scott Frost, you're one of my all-time favorite Nebraska Cornhuskers and I wanted you to be the head coach of this team. Let's just win out. What do you say, man? Let's just do it. Just for something to do. Nebraska wins. Can't oh, this lose is to Purdue good for me. It's and gonna get Kyle. me back in the game. Yeah, I'm, I'm, he he has to pick Nebraska. Yeah, I'm I'm going down the the different side of uh, of Danny because he's kind of kind of I think hoping to kind of have the reverse jinx on him, and if he's just super negative, he he's setting the bar low, so he can end Saturday happy. If he's if he if he's expecting a loss and gets a win, then he's elated. If he's expecting a loss and he loses, then he's already kind of succumbed to to the depths of of human despair. And I'm going to go the opposite way. Uh, a buddy of mine in a, in a group message sent a, a list, and I don't know where it came from, but somebody was listing like putting kind of power rankings of. Uh, of the Big Ten, and it goes Ohio State, Indiana, Northwestern, Iowa. That's your top four. Okay, so three of the four teams we've played, Northwestern, obviously it came down to the wire. We lost it at the end. Iowa came down to the wire, lost it at the end. Uh, Wisconsin is five, Michigan State, six, Minnesota, Maryland, Penn State, the team that we beat is number nine. Uh, right below them, Michigan, who I would say has 
four guys just like us having the exact same podcast somewhere in Ann Arbor. Uh, they're number 10 somehow. Rutgers is 11. Purdue is 12. Obviously, I haven't listed Nebraska yet. At 13, Illinois, which obviously I can't complain about that because Illinois slapped us. And this guy put Nebraska at 14. Now, <laughs> how we can be at 14 and Penn State be at, uh, at nine when we have the head-to-head match, I don't know how that works. But here's just we're a national joke. Here's part of the, uh, the conversation that he actually had snipped for me. Uh, it says, easy to keep the Buckeyes at the top this week and slide Indiana up a spot with its win over Maryland and Northwestern's last to Michigan State. Iowa State's put at number four with a narrow win over Nebraska, and then from there you could really argue anything. The most notable change at the bottom is Penn State moving up after getting its first win of the season against Michigan. Now talk about a huge win there. Uh, making things even more interesting in Ann Arbor. And then it ends. It's the last sentence. Nebraska remains at the bottom. Okay? We have to start reading this stuff. Everybody wants bulletin board material. It doesn't take long to find it at Nebraska. I wish Scott Frost would kind of say some of this stuff, fiery stuff, maybe pregame instead of always complaining postgame. Like, he should lean into everybody laughing at us now and kind of, holding these these guys and say, hey, is this where you want to be? Because this is what people are doing to you. This is a joke that we're dead last in the Big Ten with a conference and a football conference that has Rutgers and Maryland in it, okay? And that's the only teams I feel comfortable of, uh, of even saying that we should be ahead of. And then my buddy responded to, uh, to all of us and he said, uh, to my, my, my friend Landon, Landon, you said last year we hit rock bottom. This year it's official. Um, there's no way I'm picking Nebraska to lose to Purdue. I am over picking Nebraska this year because obviously I've, I've I've been riding with them every week. The one week I lost faith was Penn State, and we we won that game. So I haven't got a Nebraska game right yet, uh, which is why my lead is dwindling. But I'm going in the opposite way of Danny, and I'm saying kind of like Brandon, we're we gotta. If we have faith in the program, we got to start winning games, and so I want to I want to be on the right side of history instead of the negative side. All right, so Danny, uh, the only one who's flying his own his own flag, uh, picking yeah, thanks, against guys. Nebraska. And so, uh, if you're still with us after an hour and ten minutes into this pod. Um, there are other football games that are taking place this week, and uh, the first one is a Friday night matchup. It's a 7.30 kickoff on ESPN. It's 8-1, number 25 ranked Louisiana. Not Louisiana Lafayette. They cut that out. They're just Louisiana now, the Raging Cajuns, and they're taking on 7-2 and two Appalachian State. And so the reason why I picked this game this week is simply because it's number one in the Sun Belt West versus number two in the Sun Belt East. Now, uh, it's an interesting – it's a trap game, if you would, Danny, a trap game uh, because the Sun Belt Championship matchup is already set. Louisiana has a multiple-game lead in the West, and Coastal Carolina has a, uh, a game up in the East and the head-to-head over Appalachian State. And so is Louisiana looking past Appalachian State, who is a very good Sun Belt team? In the other year, if they kind of did like the Big 12 and they just had a true round robin and they put the best two teams – Appalachian State's probably there every time. Um, but 
Louisiana's got a big matchup in the in the Sun Belt Championship against Coastal Carolina in the coming weeks. And Appalachian State is usually the big horse in this in the Sun Belt. The last few years they've ran through it, uh, even as they're kind of you know defining themselves as uh, a mid-major power. Uh, the head coach for Louisiana, Bill Napier, tested positive for COVID. And uh, I saw some joke somewhere that earlier earlier in the year, uh, a mid-major head coach tested positive for COVID. And by that next Monday, he had a new job uh, as a head coach somewhere else. And so they're joking because Billy Napier uh, has coached at Arizona State, Alabama, and Clemson. Is he the next guy at a, at a South Carolina or some of these uh, big schools that are starting to open up as coaches get fired? And so they, they, they joke, you know, it turns out just because you have COVID doesn't mean you can't have a, a nice Zoom interview on your day off. And so I, it'll be interesting to see uh, his name kind of fly around. And, and Danny, uh, you have been rooting for the wrong Sunbelt team all year because Appalachian State in 1983, do you know who the head coach of Appalachian State was in 1983? Bob Diaco. Uh, was it Mac Brown? It was Mac Brown. Yeah. And so <laughs> – I mean, shoot, this this is almost coming full circle just because this is a team you should be cheering for. And so uh, at home, I feel like Appalachian State is going to win, even though Louisiana is ranked in 8-1. and one. I'm going to Appalachian State. Danny, your pick of this game. Yeah, it's a good point you bring up. Uh, I should I should feel connected to App State. Another, another random connection is I just realized um, that there, there's a historic – Dave Matthews and Tim Reynolds live show that took place in, in uh, Boone, North Carolina, Boone, North which, Carolina, which I believe is where, uh, where yeah. Appalachian state is. Yeah. Um, so, you know, big Dave Matthews fan. We don't need to get into to that. Uh, but despite all of those fantastic connections, um, I'm picking Louisiana. Uh, basically reason is I, I think Louisiana, they started the season in the top 25. I'm not sure where, where app state was. Um, but I think Louisiana has one loss and app state has two. Am I right on that? Yes. Um, and coastal Carolina and yeah, they both school. lost the coastal Carolina. Um, it doesn't appear that app state has any sort of significant or signature win whereas Louisiana did beat Iowa State in the first game of the season. Uh, so I'm just going to give uh, – I'm going to give a little bit uh, a little bit of an edge to Louisiana. That's going to be my pick, even though uh, App State is favored in this game. Brandon. I'm going App State. Cool. Cool. <laughs> Kyle. <laughs> so Andy, I think, was trying to, to tell us maybe we went a little bit too long on Nebraska – the one, the one team that I think the majority of our listeners care about the most. And then he counters it saying, hey, there's more football games. Guess what? Here's a team from the Sunbelt Sun Belt West. Now, that's something that will get the, the listeners really di dialed in. Well, to be fair, I thought about picking Texas at Kansas State, but a longtime devoted listener, uh, Tyson Cromie, is actually going to that game. I thought it'd be kind of cool if he had a little synopsis or something for us next week after, you know, witnessing firsthand what Texas K-State uh, had to offer. And so I'm, 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 I'm a fan of the Sun Belt. Uh, since week one, when that was kind of the only games to pick, when we were talking about UL Monroe, 
Louisiana, Iowa State, Coastal Carolina, Kansas. Um, I mean, shoot, just looking at our stats, we've picked uh, at least five or six Sunbelt games this year. And uh, as the recurring theme of Conway, South Carolina has been, you know, we were, we're maybe more of a Sunbelt podcast than a, a Big Ten podcast the way it was delayed this year. I was going to throw that in there, and I never thought I'd care at all about the Sun Belt. Now I mildly care, but I think part of it has to do with the number of games they've played. Like, these teams have played <laughs> like 10 games, whereas Ohio State has play, played four. So I guess our eyeballs have been on them a little bit more. I also think you should, you should define the word we, because I promise you <laughs> I didn't pick any of those games. So no, that tells you no. my, my interest in the, or in the Sun Belt. Or watched them. No. You're right. You're right. Or watched them. Kyle, you're the only one who picked Louisiana over Iowa State, so you were technically leading the Sun Belt pick them oh, because I've had to I've had to pick them because you guys talk about them. I have not cared nor watched a single one of the Sun Belt games. You talk about oh. Conway, South Carolina, though. Whenever it gets brought up, <laughs> and very little about Iowa Coastal Iowa. Carolina, and very little about Coastal Carolina. <laughs> App State for me. All right. So, again, uh, Danny going on his own. Uh, he could either be in, maybe even in first place after this whole is all said and done uh, just by the first two games looking here. Uh, the second game on our docket is a 1 p.m. kickoff, so Danny can sleep in just a little bit longer. He's going to have a mid-afternoon coffee instead of a, a late morning coffee here. Uh, but it's an interesting game. And I'll let Danny kind of e- explain why, but it's a – ESPNU kickoff at one o'clock, a nine and one Liberty versus number eighteen nine and zero Coastal Carolina. Yeah, game days at uh, in in Conway, South Carolina this weekend uh, because Coastal Carolina. I told you guys I've been there before. Yeah, we'd like to get that story sometime, but Brandon and, and Andy said that we've been taking a little too long, so we're gonna have to have to get that. <laughs> I, some I other said time. no such thing. I just... <laughs> I took a long time, so I cut my last one short. I was no, that's fine. Limiting that's fine. myself. No, it just it's it turns out that the team that I decided in like week two that I thought was pretty cool uh, is ends up it's it's being undefeated. Um, I got a variety of thoughts here. First one is it honestly probably really doesn't matter. I mean, they're not going to make the college football playoff. Um, like Andy said, they're already in the, the Sun Belt championship game, whatever that means. Uh, even if they go undefeated, who knows what the bowl season's even going to be like or what bowl they're going to play in. Um, so now I just have to hope that they go undefeated so that I, that hat that I bought in like week three, um, you know, will, will be somewhat relevant when the season starts next year. Uh, the other, the other part is we talked about Liberty a couple weeks ago. I wanted them to beat, uh, I think it was North Carolina state. So they'd be undefeated as well. Um, they, they failed in that, but Liberty's had, had a good season as well. So it's shaping up to be a pretty good game. Uh, coastal Carolina started out as like a seven point favorite. It's up to 11, uh, whatever that means to any gamblers out there. But I'm, what I'm really hoping to see with game day in Coastal Carolina is Coastal Carolina's most famous alumni, Dustin Johnson. I desperately want him to be the celebrity picker. I don't know if they've announced that yet, um, but if you, you pay attention to the golf world at all, 
Um, do you guys know what Dustin Johnson's been doing ever since his Masters win? He's literally been on like six different vacations. Like every few days, there'll be pictures of him in some other exotic location um, with his wife, just enjoying being a Masters champion. So I want him to be like phoning in from like Fiji or something and just picking these games off the cuff um, because I think I, I think I could probably beat him in his picks this week uh, if he's picking from where, wherever he is. So I don't know if they've said who the picker is yet. I think Josh Norman is a Coastal Carolina alum too, so it could possibly be him. But uh, um, after all that, obviously it's got to be Coastal Carolina that I'm picking to go 10-0 and 0 and, and hopefully uh, continue the, the fun ride. It's been enjoyable. Uh, being somewhat of a fan of them this year. So there's my game. There's my pick. Now I, I'm going to have to agree and go Coastal Carolina as well, but it's probably the game. Uh, Liberty's offense is super explosive. They have a quarterback who was a power five quarterback and he uh, transferred to Liberty and then kind of had a perfect swell of uh, events, having Hugh Freeze as his head coach, his offensive uh, kind of mind behind the scenes. Uh, but, you know, Coastal Carolina is doing its own thing on offense. That is a, a form of the spread triple option that Oregon kind of made really unique in the past. And they're doing some things that even Oregon wasn't even thinking of at the time. And, uh, you know, it, it's, it's fun to watch them because they're doing a lot of stuff that Nebraska would have done in the 90s, but they're doing it from shotgun, they're doing it from pistol. Uh, they've got a fullback in the game who doing it is doing some unique things, giving the defense a lot of funky reads. And if there's one thing I've I've learned uh, is to not go against Coastal Carolina. So I'm going to take Coastal Carolina. Brandon? Coastal Smart Carolina. Play. I'll take Smart the chandeliers. <laughs> hey, I just saw this headline from four hours ago. Uh, turns out there was a Liberty guy who has COVID and they're already saying that the, this game could be in jeopardy. So we may not even be watching Liberty coastal Carolina, but guess who they threw out there as an option to fill in BYU. BYU. Who wants to see, who wants to see coastal Carolina BYU? That game would literally take an hour and a half because both teams are going to run it 60 times. And BYU would beat him by 30 points. Oh, okay. There's a, there's a burrito right there, buddy. And I'm taking that. I'm taking the 30 points. <laughs> our uh, our fourth game uh, of, of the week is a 2:30 kickoff. It's on ABC. Uh, number 12, Indiana, is at number 16, Wisconsin. Kyle, what do you got? I know this game doesn't have the same pizzazz as all these Sunbelt games, but college game day thought it was so cool to go to Coastal Carolina that after they were there, they managed to put the game on ESPNU. So I know I'm just asking people to just hop over to a little channel called ABC that probably nobody has. But if you do find yourself with, uh, with the four screens that you guys have, like maybe you can find a spot for this game here uh, with just a, a couple of top 15 teams. Um, just quickly, I'll say I'm picking Wisconsin really just because, um, Indiana, I think obviously even halfway through the season surprised everybody with how well they played. And then their game against Ohio state where they took them down to the wire, uh, lost by a touchdown. 
uh, when I think the point spread was it was 25 plus. Uh, I really was kind of excited to to watch Indiana just because um, they're kind of the up and comer of, of the Big Ten this year, and uh, I, I wanted just to kind of talk about the just the kick in the nuts it must be to, for Indiana to have kind of the their once in a generation season where there are they were in the top ten. Chances were if they if they won out or if, especially if they beat Wisconsin they would get we're going to be a solid top ten team instead of one that just floated up and down. Uh, and then they lose their starting quarterback in a game um, that they were winning in the third quarter. And now maybe they have somebody else, but now their whole season has to be just wrecked. And, and I, I was thinking about what I could kind of compare it to uh, in terms of maybe other college football teams. And I know it's not exactly the same, but I remember uh, when I was in high school or maybe I can't remember when it happened when Oregon was kind of on their rise up before they got to kind of the national championship kind of relevance that they had there for a while, the year that Dennis Dixon blew his knee out when he was kind of a Heisman favorite and all of a sudden they were kind of made that leap up and then boom, halfway through starting quarterback kind of heart and soul of their team just is out now. And so I can't even imagine kind of, I'm, I'm sure they're going to be given all sorts of win one for the Gipper speeches in the locker room. If you've heard any of Indiana's head coaches post game conference, uh, kind of talks to his players, plus his news conferences, like he is an emotional guy. And so I know his dudes are going to be amped up. That being said, you're taking away the most important position off the field. Like Danny has, has recently figured out on his NFL team that we talked about earlier. <laughs> That's somewhat of a big piece, and and I just don't think that they have the horses. Indiana's doing the exact same thing that I want I want Nebraska to do. They have guys that are not nationally recruited, but they got them there. They coach them up. They play to their strengths. And now, if they could could have kept this going for a year or two, then you start getting the interest of some guys that actually have some just more natural talent than they typically get. And like I said, it, it has to be just a, a swift kick in the nuts for any uh, Indiana Hoosier football team fan. So I'm taking Wisconsin, and I feel bad for Indiana. Daniel. Yeah, I'll take, I'll take Wisconsin as well. Um, as a 14-point favorite, though, I don't, I don't think it's going to be by 14 points. I, I think this may be, you know, along those emotional lines, be a, I guess maybe I just hope for a close uh, – close down to the wire game, maybe by a field goal or something. Um, so if, if Kyle wants to make that bet, uh, I would take Indiana plus 14. Um, but is it any surprise? Like, isn't, isn't everything that's been happening in the last like eight months, just a continual kick in the nuts. So is it a surprise that this great story is happening and all of a sudden that, you know, the, the, the centerpiece of the story is hurt. Maybe yeah, but that this- might be, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say the story would be completely different if he was sitting out two weeks because of COVID, but yeah. a knee injury just, it, it makes it more heartbreaking to me because if he had COVID, everybody has COVID, it seems like. So it's not that big of a deal. The fact that it, it was an in-game just yeah. injury where you have to get carted off the field. As somebody who somewhat recently did tear up their knee, like you know it right when it happens when you're laying there whether you get up and walk off the field or not, you know that something is wrong. 
and not wrong in a sprained ankle way, but a wrong in a, a serious way. Like yeah. you just know that you're having the best season of your life. Like, just, and no, to me, this is a bigger kick in the nuts. Yeah. Well, I'm sure it was the same type of story for you too. I bet you your Sunday basketball league team was having the season of their life when you uh, went down. We were in the rec league semifinals, Danny. You have no idea. Rec league semifinals. And how did your team do in the finals or did they They, win the semifinals? They didn't even make it to the finals. They got to be in the semifinals. Well, that's why you're picking Wisconsin to win then because same deal. I've seen seen it happen firsthand. When you lose that emotional (laughs) leader of your team in such a – a heartbreaking way and he's just like I was just standing there on the sideline like trying to feel like ah can I go back in like I don't want to think it's that bad of my knee maybe I'm just being a wimp like he he wants to play like I know what I know the mindset they kept looking at me waiting for me to go back in I just I couldn't do it and and I don't want to say his last name because it's one of those dicey ones that I might mispronounce and he's just not going to be able to. And he's going to give him that rah-rah speech. You talking to uh, Indiana's quarterback now? Yeah. <laughs> I noticed how he went through this whole thing without saying his last name. He's got but, a weird last name. I don't want to see it. Google it. But, <laughs> uh, no, I, like I said, I feel bad for him. I, I would have actually because I really thought Wisconsin was good after their first couple of wins where their offense looked really good. And then they they got kind of taken beyond the woodshed and got beat. So I actually would have really enjoyed watching Indiana at full strength. But I just, how do you how do you go on without a starting quarterback? Now Nebraska can lose three of them, and who would know the difference? Indiana, I think he is a big part. Yeah. Yep. All right. So uh, for my pick, I'm also going to go Wisconsin. Uh, I feel like. Indiana is very similar to uh, Northwestern, the fact that they play great defense. They're going to run the ball. Uh, it's going to be a little different without the quarterback, obviously. Um, so it will be close because Wisconsin does like to run the ball as well. Um, they have a quarterback who just have a pretty darn good year through the air. Uh, but I, they're not going to get Northwestern twice, especially in a row. So Wisconsin, I don't know about that 14 like you were saying, Danny, but uh, it could easily go 14 by – you know, one, one low pass over the top. Brayden? Wisconsin. All right, and that takes us to our last game of the night. <laughs> um, a 6 o'clock kickoff. That puts you in bed early, Danny, so that way you're up early for your Sunday coffee since, you you know, you're not going to get it on Saturday with it being mid-afternoon, I guess 1 o'clock, not mid-early afternoon. Uh, it's on FS1. Not quite your ABC, Kyle, but FS1, still respectable, right? Quite a bit uh, higher than ESPNU, if I say so myself. <laughs> uh, it's the Colorado Buffaloes at the Arizona Wildcats. That's our second Pac-12 game this year. Uh, Brandon, what do you got for us? Well, a couple things, I guess. So first, I'll start off and just say, I guess, congratulations, uh, old Tyson Cromie, getting to be on the thing. I guess we haven't taken a vote on it or whatever, but uh, <laughs> he's apparently the guy. Uh, if if he's mind. still, if he's hearing this and still listening. He's invited on next week. Never mind the fact that after uh, Kyle kind of sent out the challenge to people to read out, reach out to us last week, and Senior Cromie emailed me a picture of him standing underneath Touchdown Jesus in the Touchdown Jesus uh, position, telling me about his trip to uh, South Bend and how they got a dog there. 
the dog was not named Rudy, which I was a little disappointed. Oh, missed opportunity. It really was. But I thought that was kind of a, you know, now there's a family rift now, so I might as well just bring that up, you know. <laughs> and, uh, man, sorry to – hey, my coach who reached out, you know, said he'd like to be on the show. I'm sorry. I would I would have liked to have you guys on, but – Yeah, my mom's uh, a big fan too. Can she come on? Kyle's I think, mom? I, think I could send her a Zoom link. She might know what it, what it looks like. Active yep. all the time, especially on Facebook, she is. Yeah, she, she, I appreciate the show. She always tells me she's like, I just, I just don't use the Twitter, but. <laughs> and uh, and how about this? How about Adam Engel? Not on social media, but emails us often. Emailed us this week saying he doesn't reach out, but you know he's he's in public speaking and can do all this and. You know, but I guess the award-winning host, award-winning radio host, can do whatever the hell he no. wants. So, <laughs> really, uh, that's that. Adam Engel is the only person that actually sent questions for get to know Danny as well. So, real, real quick though. So, my mom was in town because we had Paige's baptism last week, and she, I, I told her we're still, still doing the podcast because she saw the, uh, the D Street Studio sign. And she's like, I guess I just don't know what a podcast is. Can you listen live? Can you like call in? I'm like, mom, dear Lord, you don't know what a podcast is. And, and so we had this big, long discussion about it's one of those deals where, well, you can't listen live because, you know, you've got like a life. And so you can listen at your, at your leisure. Uh, she's like, well, I guess I just don't know. You have to help me download the app or something. And we didn't even get that far. So uh, Andy's mom. I'm, Three-fourths of us would like it if you're on the show, but unfortunately, your name doesn't rhyme with Rice and Romy, so uh, <laughs> probably not going to probably not gonna happen. Talk to your child. But, okay, so anyway, I'm just kidding around. Not really, but, you know, I'm just saying I am. So uh, here we go with the game. This is what we have going on. Colorado 3-0, Arizona 0-3. Talk about a crazy matchup, because if one of them was in front of a mirror, identical records right there but I thought that this game would be kind of cool because uh, Colorado has won some close games Arizona has played tougher opponents and so I was really kind of hoping especially with the Sumlin offense they'd be able to move the ball around real good with Grant Gunnell who has six touchdowns and one interception and I was excited to watch him tear it up against Colorado but then Grant Gunnell hurt himself uh, last week his throwing shoulder may be out for the season. Um, so Will Plummer, remember Jake the Snake Plummer at Arizona State? Totally no relation, no. But I looked it up and uh, just wanted to put it out there. Uh, Will Plummer. Oh, you no remember relation? that game in 1996? Yeah, oh, man, 0-19. to 19. And I was just bringing up all the cool Jake Plummer stuff I, I know, but uh, I, so, I won't use yeah, it. Yeah, I'm sorry. What a tease. Yeah, it was. But uh, – this guy, he played okay uh, in, without getting really any first-team reps the week before. So he'll have this week in the system getting the first-team reps, but I don't think it'll be enough. Uh, Colorado's quarterback, Sam Neuer, is pretty decent. But uh, Jarek Browsard, 400 yards in three games. And uh, old Joel Klatt uh, on Fox Sports, he's been clamoring that this Colorado team – they're not like a paper champion 3-0 good. He said they, they deserve respect, and he, they're going to play with the chip on their shoulder because they're not even in uh, any of the playoff ratings, you, you know, even though you have some teams that have, have this great uh, 
this great resume, like Wisconsin, you know, and like Georgia, you know, these, uh, these schools that just, uh, have looked so, I'm being sarcastic, obviously, but, uh, that's Colorado's going to play a chip on their shoulder and Colorado's going to win. I really wanted Arizona to win, but then with news of the further development of the quarterback injury, it looks like four, no Colorado versus own for Arizona. That's what I got. All right, Danny. Yeah. Um, here's how much the Huskers are not relevant anymore is that I don't even hate Colorado. <laughs> like, I actually kind of like them. I like They're adorable. The campus is awesome. Boulder is an interesting, unique place to go visit. Um, I haven't been there in a while and I kind of, kind of miss it. So, when I'm when I'm flipping through football games and, and and see the Buffaloes, I don't even I don't even hate them, and um, I can't pick a three and O team losing to an O and three team. So Colorado. All right, so uh, Colorado, obviously three and O is a good start for any team, but Mel Tucker. It's left about Colorado. as good as you can do. <laughs> you <laughs> roughly. know, roughly. But uh, Mel Tucker left Colorado real late in the process uh, to join Michigan State. And to hear the good stuff that's come, coming out of Colorado, I think, uh, just tells you, I don't know, just, just the positives that are going on there because it could have been a dumpster fire. Our, you know, our coach left right before, you know, the summer hit. We had COVID anyway, so we couldn't do anything with our new staff, you know, whatever the case may be. And so that would be 3-0. and um, I think they are a sneaky good team in the Pac-12, and they're definitely playing the worst team in the Pac-12. Uh, so Colorado, easy. I just went through a gambit of like emotions and thought processes here because everything I know about Colorado, Arizona, I learned in the last three minutes. <laughs> so I guess before the pod, we had like somebody brought up, like, "Hey, you guys know who Arizona's coach was?" And they're like, Kevin Sumlin. And then I was like, boom, I'm in on Arizona. Because I, I don't know what it is about him. I love oh, please kind of what he Arizona. did. I love what he did when he was at Texas A&M before the wheels came off uh, with all the Manziel stuff. Uh, I love an offensive coach that just, just loves to score points. And so I was all in for Arizona. And then Brandon told me about three minutes ago that their starting quarterback had a six to one interception or touchdown interception ratio. I was like, yes, here's a chance for me to make a pick. And then I was shocked and saddened to hear that that quarterback was hurt. So um, I'm going with Colorado. Uh, I think oh, I just, I think the Pac-12 is, uh, is a bit of a joke. Uh, I think obviously with Oregon losing, they actually have no chance of anything even remotely relevant happening in their conference. And when uh, Colorado's in the, the Big 12, it was, a, it was a team that had some national relevance, not unlike Nebraska, and then new conference, new start, with nothing to show for it. Uh, at least we do have the one Big 10 championship that we made it to. Um, but even the last two years, um, like there's some all-white jerseys that I think look cool. When Colorado wears the all-whites, I just think they kind of look like a, a JV team out there. I don't know why. It's probably because I always hated Colorado. That being said, they're 3-0, 3-0 against the spread. Um, 
apparently they're halfway decent. So I'll take Colorado as well. Yeah, but, Joel, Joel Klatt said that they're really good. I actually, like, when Nebraska or when all the, the nation was, was given Nebraska last year, like, Joel Klatt is, I think, pretty pro-Nebraska or – at least because he's pro my team, I, I can call him a level-headed guy who who knows what he's talking about. Where the first thing he says bad about Nebraska is probably going to turn me against him. But uh, yeah. I do like a game and and a comment that that Joe Clatt usually calls. He does good. Yeah, but nice. I don't know. It's kind of awkward here now because all of us are out of things mm. to say, and our host has yeah, uh, and it just has disappeared here. So. Uh, I don't know. Is it too early? I, I know we always like to have a, a typical time frame here, but is it too early for the for the extra points, or do we have a couple more around the horn conversations we need to hit? Well, real quick, uh, just to, just to summarize, uh, big week here for Danny uh, because he has the differing picks. Uh, he's got Purdue over Nebraska, and he's got Louisiana over Appalachian State, and so. Big week for Danny. He can either really climb back into the race or dig himself a bigger hole. Or like I always say, maybe some of the games go half and half and he's in the exact same position he is in right now. <laughs> Anywho, with that being said, uh, if you're still with us, you're doing a heck of a heck of an expedition with us tonight because uh, definitely a fun podcast, though. Shoot, a lot of Husker history from yeah. Brandon. Why do you always assume that we're so uninteresting to listen to that if somebody has made it this far, then they're obviously yeah, like, geez, like, one more minute. to the depths of human existence? Well, I don't know. Sometimes an hour and a half is a long time, and we reached that half an hour ago. So, no, it was good stuff, though. I, I, I didn't know you wrote so passionately in that notebook there, Brandon. And so that's, that's kudos to you, my man. A lot of them are uh... – mean things about Desmond Howard yeah I was was gonna say I I couldn't remember because it's been off for two weeks and you just made one comment just a little bit ago and so I kind of forgot were you pro Wisconsin or anti Wisconsin Brandon totally anti I was gonna say actually I'm anti all Big Ten so Indiana Wisconsin I hope one wins by a point and there's a big fight and they all get arrested and go to jail afterwards I'd Mm. I'm done with the rest of the Big Ten I'm all Nebraska. I hate the rest of the Big Ten now. With now, that being said, any extra hold on, points? I do have one last thing, one last thing, one last thing, because it, it goes with uh, with Brandon's comment, and I know we didn't have a chance to talk about the Illinois game, but, again, when I talk about bulletin board material, did you guys see what Illinois' football page sent oh, out yeah. right after the Nebraska game? Said, hey, thanks, that. Thanks, Nebraska, for bringing back Big Ten football. Oh, my God. If that doesn't get you fired up, Danny, to root for your Huskers harder from your house than you ever rooted before, you're not human. I don't – okay. I don't know what I am, but – Do you like college I'm, football, I'm Danny? I'm numb because a loss means nothing and a win really means nothing at this point to me. I'm numb to it. Mm. That's what I am. But a journey like of a thousand said, steps begins with one step. It doesn't mean I'm not a fan anymore. It just means that's the state I'm in right now. <laughs> but I, I do have an extra point. Can I get to that? Oh, yeah. Time. yeah. Okay. So long ago, uh, we were at kind of this big, big 
large family dinner thing back when you could do that. And uh, the dinner kind of drug on for a long time. Uh, sort of like this podcast might be dragging on and uh, a, a relative of a relative, like a dad kind of from the extended family. Who's super nice guy. Like love the dude. He just stands up, puts his hands together and says, well, I think we've endured this long enough. <laughs> and then everyone was like, Oh, okay. And everyone just kind of went, went on their merry way. So uh, guys, I think we've maybe endured this long enough. Uh, if anybody has any other extra points though, now's the time. All right. I think we've endured this long enough. Yes, sir. I got to say real quick before I go army Navy, I see you with your uniform unveilings looking pretty sharp. Can't wait to break that down next week. If I'm excited. Bad. That's 10 Same. days away, isn't it? Tropic lightning, baby. Tropic yeah. lightning. Pretty sweet.